the last few years have seen some tremendous leadership at the Indiana Department of Corrections. And um, we are currently housing 7,000, 7 or 8,000 more uh, inmates than we were uh, just uh, five years ago without having spent a dollar to construct any new space. It's been a, a tremendous job of management, also the use of some creative alternative methods. But uh, we know we could be doing much better. And no one knows more uh, or has done more uh, to uh, innovate and promote new means of uh, making certain that the most dangerous offenders remain where they cannot harm people, but that also that the dollars that we spend are well spent and that uh, where appropriate alternatives are employed that uh, rehabilitate people, protect the public, and then return uh, folks who have gone astray back to productive life. So with the uh, strong encouragement and initiative of the legislature, with the uh, thought leadership of our Chief Justice and our Attorney General, um, we have uh, invited and now struck a deal with the people from Pew, the nation's experts in this area, to work with Indiana on the first uh, wholesale, top-to-bottom relook at our sentencing practices and incarceration practices in a generation or more. So we're very, very grateful to be at this point to all those who have brought us here and excited about the work that will soon commence. Let me ask Adam Gelb from Pew to say a few words um, on behalf of that organization. Thanks, Governor. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Good morning. Uh, more than one in 100 Americans uh, are behind bars today. Uh, incredible prison growth in this country over the past uh, 30 years or so. Uh, more than one in 100 adults uh, either in prison or jail. And if you look at the probation and parole population, we have more than one in 31 adults under some form of correctional supervision. And this massive growth of the correctional system uh, has come at a heavy price. Uh, states are now spending more than $50 billion on corrections. Uh, that growth has been second only to Medicaid in terms of state, uh, in terms of state spending. Now, what have we learned from all this? I think two basic lessons. First is that uh, prisons help reduce crime. Uh, we lock up violent and career criminals. They need to be behind bars and for a long time. The second thing is that there's been an explosion of research uh, over the past 25 years uh, about what works better to stop the revolving door for nonviolent offenders. And that's what this project is really about. How can, going forward, can Indiana squeeze more public safety out of taxpayer dollars? Uh, we at Pew, as the governor mentioned, have uh, helped about a dozen states, including Texas, Kansas, South, uh, most recently South Carolina, uh, tackle this issue. Uh, in this state, the prison population has grown about 47% over the past decade. Costs are up 76%. Um, but the state has had a little bit less of a crime drop than other states as well. So so we can do better. Uh, and if we sit on our hands and don't uh, attack this, uh, this issue here, uh, the projection is that Indiana will have another 6,000 inmates over the next 10 years at a cumulative cost of another billion dollars. Uh, why did we choose Indiana? Uh, first and foremost, the governor's leadership and the leadership from the legislative and judicial branches. This is a state that is ready, willing, and able to tackle this issue figure out how to get taxpayers a better return on their public safety dollars. And second, you're not starting from ground zero. Uh, there have been several things that have occurred in this state uh, that give us reason to believe that there's a strong foundation to build on. 
there are specialty courts, uh, there's risk assessment, statewide system that's being put in, and these are sort of some of the essential building blocks of a stronger system. So congratulations for the progress you've made so far. There's a three-step process uh, to how we work. Uh, everything is data-driven. That's the first piece we, we will take, along with our partners, uh, the Council of State Governments, Justice Center, who will lead this effort uh, on the ground. Uh, they will take significant volumes of data from the state and analyze specifically what is driving the prison population uh, up here. There will be a process involving all three branches then that takes a look at that data and identifies what specific policy solutions uh, should be addressed. Uh, and the third stage would be an implementation and accountability piece to make sure that those solutions are put into place. The fundamental premise here is that uh, prisons, the fundamental, uh, the fundamental premise here is that prisons are a government spending program. And just like any government spending program, be it education or health care, it needs to be put to the cost-benefit test. Are we getting the best return possible on our public safety dollars? Um, so we are very fortunate and, and pleased to be here uh, with you, Governor. Uh, and look forward to a very successful collaboration and partnership. Thanks so much, Adam. Probably misses um, most people's uh, view or notice that more than 2,000 times a day an Indiana trial judge uh, decides what the sentence should be for someone charged with a crime. They do that on advice of prosecutors, of defense lawyers, of probation officers, and others. And the question on the table every one of those 2,000 times each day is, uh, what's the smart sentence? What's the one that matches this offender, matches this offense? Who actually needs to go to prison? Who might safely be helped by some alternative? And the smartest sentence at the end of the day is one that does the most to try to prevent another crime. And there are, um, in place after place in our state, um, uh, alternatives to prison that try to hold accountable people who we think uh, might be trusted with a second chance. Uh, many of these um, uh, innovative programs have been led by uh, trial judges who um, often take the lead in these matters and uh, trial judges acting together and acting collectively through the uh, judicial conference or other venues. Uh, so the, the third branch of government is sort of um, there at the moment of truth when these decisions get made and um, it's a great, um, uh, a great opportunity uh, from our point of view to collaborate with the other two branches and with Pew to uh, uh, make these decisions get as close to the mark as we possibly can. Uh, we're glad to be partners in, uh, in making this happen. As the chair of the Criminal Code Evaluation Commission, I want to say on behalf of the legislators how excited we are to have this process kicking off. As you might know, several years ago, the legislature uh, passed legislation creating a commission to look at our criminal code line by line and see if there's a smarter way we could be approaching the issue of crime. And one of the things during that process that was really striking to me is as I talked with legislators from all across the political spectrum, both parties, House and Senate, there really was consensus that there must be a better way to approach this problem to enhance public safety and get a bigger bang for the taxpayer's buck. And so that's one reason we created the commission 
and we're fortunate to learn that the Council of State Governments and the Pew Charitable Trust have been involved in this process in other states and really have a tremendous reservoir of knowledge that can be helpful to us and help us put together um, new policies that work best for Indiana. They, CSJ and Pew have worked in other states and had very great results, um, and they're going to provide us a number of options that we can look at and determine what will work best um, for Indiana. The other great thing about Pew and CSG, and when you look at how they've worked in other states, is they know it must be a collaborative process. When I think about how many people are involved in our criminal justice system, from the police officer on the beat to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, you have the legislators passing laws, the governor has to enforce those laws. You have such a tremendous amount of people at all levels of government involved in the process. And if we don't collaborate together to determine what are the best solutions, we're going to have a difficult time making this happen. So I think this uh, process we're about to embark on with CSG and Pew and all of the levels of government through collaboration, I think we're going to get to some really exciting uh, new policies for Indiana that are going to make our state safer and uh, also save taxpayers a fair amount of money in the process. Questions for any of our guests? I have a question for Adam from Pew, right? Um, can you generalize a little bit about what it is that you found in other states and what other states have done? Sure. Well, there, there are two things and two things only that determine the size and cost of a, a prison population, right? It's admissions and length of stay, how many people go in and how long are they there. Uh, so you can boil it down simply, but, but what uh, I think Representative Pierce just pointed out is that there are so many moving parts. Once you, once you take, uh, take a look at either of those pieces, you can go in a lot of different, re uh, lot of different directions. So uh, our process is a very data-driven process and specific to the state. Um, so we, we don't, I mean, of course, we've heard a number of things, but, but uh, we don't have any kind of judgment at this point about what the specific policy targets uh, here would be. Um, I would put, put out, just to try to be responsive to your question, but not knowing the data here yet because we haven't analyzed it, that one of the most common things we're seeing in states is a, is a high failure rate among people on supervision, either probation and parole. Uh, and people are saying, we are sick and tired of seeing the same people over and over again, and we need to, to accelerate our adoption of evidence-based practices to stop that revolving door. We'll be working uh, feverishly through the through the summer uh, and, and into the fall, with, with an eye toward uh, uh, providing the support uh, to the to the steering committee that's been formed and the governor uh, looking toward uh, next legislative session. Every you start with the assumption that there are too many people going through. Absolutely not. We we have uh, we have absolutely no sense uh, at this point. Uh, how Indiana is utilizing its specific uh, pr prison beds. Uh, everything may be running perfectly here. Uh, that's not what we've heard from a lot of players in the system. Uh, a, a lot of key uh, leaders and stakeholders believe that the state can do a better job. Can you give some examples of some of the things that other states have done after working with you guys? What new policies they've adopted or how many times they've done Sure, again, there was two levers, but uh, a couple quick examples. I guess I'd start with Texas, which in 2007 uh, uh, took a very different direction uh, with its criminal, criminal justice policy. Texas had uh, built 100,000 prison cells between 1987 and 2007. 
100,000 sales. They went from uh, about uh, 50, 55,000 up to 100, uh, 150. Uh, and the Texas Department of Corrections had a proposal on the table to build another 14 to 17,000. They were coming into that 2007 with, with that uh, with that proposal, uh, which would have been about a two billion dollar tab over over 10 years or so, and a, and a half billion dollars more just in the in the in the coming biennium. And the speaker said, this is too expensive. We're not getting uh, adequate return on crime for all this spending. Can you all figure out a way uh, around this? And uh, a Republican from Plano teamed up with a, a Democrat from Houston and uh, with help from the CSG Justice Center put together a, a wide-ranging plan uh, for uh, investments in a whole range of alternative programs, from residential treatment centers to more outpatient uh, treatment, uh, particularly for uh, drunk drivers. Uh, they put together uh, a bunch more probation, uh, probation slots as well. And the result has been really remarkable. In Texas, uh, which had a, a population going like, like this, has flatlined that uh, population growth. actually uh, dropped a bit last year. Uh, their costs are in check. And most importantly, their probation and parole failures are down significantly, both over, over 25%. Uh, and the crime rate in Texas, despite the, the spillover from the border uh, issues with Mexico, the overall crime rate in Texas uh, is dropping right in tandem with the, the national average. You said you've heard from some players in our system that there's some problems. Do you give us some examples of some of the early feedback you've heard from people involved in our system? Not, 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 not at this juncture. I mean, it's just it's very, uh, from our perspective, very raw data uh, and, and, um, and <clears throat> not at this point. We don't. We don't like Bill, I'll give, I'll give you one. I mean, uh, our folks have been reporting to me now for quite some time that it's a surprising percentage of the prisoners coming to our prisons, which is the most expensive option, are there for a very short period of time. Apparently their offense was not serious enough to warrant a very long sentence, and, and they're, uh, we, we barely get them through the processing point when it's time for them to go home. So. That's, that's suggestive, at least, that maybe we're a little out of whack. That may be one example I, among scores that I know that, that Pew and the CSG folks will look at. I'd like to ask a question, sir, to you. Where'd you get the great-looking beard? Is that the question? Uh, <laughs> it seems like that so often legislators come into a session after a crime has been committed in a district or... Um, that there's been a horrific crime somewhere in the state and start changing um, sentencing laws that have to do with specific crimes. Do you think the legislature can get away from that in order to implement whatever is coming out of this study? Well, first of all, that's a natural reaction that any, any person would have, whether they were a legislator or not. And sometimes that reaction is because there is a problem there. Sometimes it's just a, a, a natural reaction to the pressure in the community. Um, but I'm sure that this is a, an issue that is, needs to be long addressed, and this uh, time is ripe. And I think surely the legislators will be able to stand to the uh, task. Take a, a, a fresh, clean look 
as, as Adam said, they found that states are not alike. So we'll like that, and, and uh, within reason, we'll listen to any suggestion they come up with. Governor, what's your sense of the job our state does with rehabilitation, keeping repeat offenders going back to prison? Obviously, that'd be a, a yeah. great way to cut down on costs yeah. and having people back. Better than before and not nearly good enough. We might put a lot of emphasis on this. Uh, Ed, every time we get together, and this, will be the, this is the first thing I harass Ed Bus about, and um, it's been difficult to budge that number. It, it has budged, but uh, you know we're still uh, well up in the 30s, depending on the category of offense. And it's a, it's a huge opportunity if we can learn things or apply new practices. That, that the leverage around that number, and they've been talking here about dollars and cents, and you know. We pay a lot of attention to that. But think about the human cost of the crime that wasn't, the repeat crime that wasn't averted. I think that's the first thing on everybody's mind. Do you have any specific goals in mind of how much money you'd like to see, you know, reduce or any crime goals? I want to see how, no, the answer is no. I mean, I'm hoping for very, very large improvements, and they have affected those as, as the Texas example Adam just gave you illustrates. You apply that same sort of percentage improvement to Indiana, it would be, it'd be a remarkable uh, step forward. So let's just let's aim, as we always do, let's aim high. Governor, you talked about dollars and cents. On late Friday, um, your opposition to response to Senator Simpson's request for a list of budget cuts. Do you feel that that response was adequate? Yeah, for the moment, 476 pages is a lot of information. But, you know, in, we're going to close the books in the state in two days. And uh, we have a new system, by the way. It'll be the most complete and prompt closure ever in the history of Indiana. And that'll have infinite detail, line item by line item. So that, I, that'll be the uh, supplemental, uh, I would say, uh, response to a very appropriate request. And what do you think about the Senate uh, Republicans' idea for a new transparency Hundred percent for. We've been working on it anyway. We put contracts up there already, and uh, I'm very impatient to get the system up to the point where it can accommodate lots more information. This is all upside. You know what I like, for instance, about the contracts being visible now is, first of all, I, I want uh, people, of course, to know uh, who won and how. But I also want the for the next time around, I want the competitors to be able to sharpen their pencils, maybe beat the price or improve the service. So everybody wins, and uh, and I'm uh, as impatient as the next person to get better at this. Back to this initiative for a minute. You want to explain the genesis of this, the cost involved, picks up the tab, some of the details. The few approach the state, the state approach few. I think the legislature probably deserves the credit for, for certainly uh, seeing the opportunity. The council state government's uh, which is Pew's partner here, serves legislators. I think I first heard of it, if not from Matt, from somebody else here. And uh, But our folks in corrections are very well aware of, of what uh, the benefit has been to their colleagues in other states. So hard for me to trace the entire genealogy of it, but uh, uh, let's just let's just say that it's a very uh, cooperative effort, something that's brought a lot of people together. Does the state spend any money on this, or is this completely funded by Pew? Well, we'll see. Let me just say that any money you spend, you'll get back 100 times over if you have anything like the react uh, the res results that they've had elsewhere. But from the study itself, I mean, obviously, implementation, I think the state would have to take on cost, but is the study itself on cost? 
100,000. Yeah, 100,000 from our end. And 500 to a million, he says, uh, from the foundation. $100,000 of state funds, 500 to a million of the, from, from the Hugh Foundation. And where are we, do you know where you're going to take $100,000? I know you have a lot of extra money. Criminal Justice Institute. Well, Criminal Justice Institute. Let me just say, most of these are federal funds passing through. And we were talking earlier, in this whole area, I've seen money well spent, but I've seen a lot of money poorly spent, not just in Indiana, but nationally. Given the return, the consistent high return that Adam was talking about on these dollars, this may be some of the best money that the Criminal Justice Institute invests. And to recap, there's no real specific hypothesis heading this, right? It's very much kind of an open process to see what's found in this. The state's ends, it's, let's follow the data and see where, what it tells us. Doesn't the state that the average person is really not going to see much of a difference for a while? Depends what crime they committed. <laughs> well, again, we believe anything worth doing is worth doing fast. Now, and uh, and Pew has shown a, in other states an ability to move fast. But Adam ran you through the timetable. Uh, intensive data collection and discussion with the legislature, with the commission. And I think we all hope to be together in the you know third and fourth quarters talking about, all right, what does this tell us? What changes are we going to make? And get to doing it in January. So... Um, I'm hoping that there will be, um, you know, within the next uh, 12 months anyway, material differences beginning to show up. If I can add to that, um, in the legislature's discussions with uh, Pew and CSG, we made clear that we really want to have something the legislature can consider in January. So all of our discussions about timeline, which is very, very aggressive, but it's designed to have options recommended to the commission that it could recommend to the legislature in January because it makes sense to do a lot of this in tandem with the budget. If we're going to end up determining we have to reinvest in certain areas, shift some priorities around, we want to be able to do that in tandem with the budget. It needs to kind of go along together. So our every intent is to have a bill presented to the legislature by January that they can consider. Thank you, everybody.